Welcome to Your Music Saved Us, where two friends blast ourselves into the past to relive and recontextualize the alternative Christian music we grew up listening to in the 1990s. My name is Jay, and I'll be your host today. And with me is someone who loves to, and I quote, smoke and drink while cursing like a sailor. Clifton, how are you? I don't have a tailor. <laughs> Good rhyme. <laughs> nice Good follow rhyme, up. brother. <laughs> oh, man. So, Clifton, what are we listening to today? We are listening to DC Talks Breakthrough but not quite crossover album free at last, or at least we're going to do the first half of it. Cause this is so chock full of madness that it's going to take two episodes to break down. I think. Yeah. Spoiler alert. DC talks lyrics are fucked up <laughs> and I think they fucked me up. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll be digging into this. Uh huh. <laughs> Okay, well, first of all, Clifton, was this hard to find? No. I I mean, I didn't even look, honestly. I just, <laughs> yeah, no. You remembered it all? Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, okay. I didn't remember. I, did, I, I have the CD and I ripped it. I didn't even look if it was on other things. It is. It, it's I'm sure Sp- it is. Spotify. Yeah. There's a 10th anniversary remastered edition on there with little nice. um, interview clips at the end. Um, in case you Great. can't get enough. Yeah. So another question, was this played in youth group? Oh yeah. This this like was youth group for nineteen ninety two, ninety-three, I think. Mm-hmm. I agree. Probably even ninety four, because yeah. you know yeah. it's slow to move on. Yeah. But I mean there was also, you know, a little bit of audio adrenaline and a little bit of, little bit of newsboys, a little bit of Stephen Crush Chapman at that same time. Mm-hmm. But predominantly this was youth group for those years, yes. Right. Are we getting preached at? Are we not getting preached at for any moment in this album? Yeah, this is pretty preachy. Pretty heavy-handed. Yeah. And, yeah, we'll get yeah, to it. We will. We'll get to it. Um, <laughs> so, how did we end up listening to this? Why are we doing this one? I don't know. It was your idea. It was. Just... <laughs> for some reason, I thought, I don't know what struck me, but for some reason, I thought, this would be good to do because this was a very big album when I was like 12. Um, Yeah. I mean, it was definitely important. Yeah. Like it was that phase where I think both of us were probably just coming into like, well, like starting middle school, Mm -hmm. being a little more independent, starting to kind of find music on our own and stuff Mm -hmm. we liked. And this was huge. Yes. At the time. So pretty foundational, I think for both of us. And I'd say probably, I'll speak for me, but I think from what I remember, you said it was the same. Like, I think we had both kind of moved on when Jesus Freak came out. I know that was their bigger album, but yeah, that wasn't for us. This was the one. Yeah. I mean, and, I remember listening to Jesus Freak, you know, but not like being obsessed with it like this album. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to dive into it and we're going to make it a two-parter because, you know, why not? <laughs> yes. Um, but before we go on, I want to remind everyone to visit patreon.com slash YMSU 
to contribute, to get extended episodes, to get some bonus content, and just to help us out. We don't make a lot of money off this show, as you can probably <laughs> guess. Um, but it really helps with production stuff and hosting and things like that. So just on the back end, it helps us out. So we would love it if you became a patron. And shout out to all our patrons that are there. We really appreciate you. And yeah, so Clifton, yeah. tell us a little bit about DC Talk. I mean, it's DC Talk. What do you want to know? Like, <laughs> what doesn't, what, okay, fine. Minimal, minimal here, okay? They began at Jerry Falwell's Liberty University in the late 80s. Basically, Toby wrote a song and recruited Michael to join him in performing it in front of the Liberty University students. For some reason, people liked it, even though we just listened to that song and it's really bad. It's called Heaven Bound. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put it we'll Heaven Bound. <laughs> Heaven Bound. <laughs> All right. Uh, people liked it. They sold, a lot of, they sold a lot of demo tapes, like 3,000 something demo tapes. I don't know. Then Michael met Kevin and invited him to the group, and they all moved in together as quote unquote roommates. And that's that? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> um, something I didn't know is their original name was DC Talk and the One Way Crew. So I assume that DC Talk re- originally referred to Toby, because as you mentioned, this is just, this is basically just a Toby album, a Toby Mac album. Like, I don't know if all DC Talk albums were this way. I didn't look at it. I don't care. But this is a Toby Mac album. He wrote everything. He does everything. The other guys participate. Yeah, I didn't realize that so much till looking through this, but it really seems like, and I, I think it's honestly for all of DC Talk, it was really Toby, Toby's okay. vision, what he wanted. The other guys are just kind of back up. Yeah. You reminded me of something. DC Talk, they said it stands for Decent Christian Talk, but I'm about mm-hmm. 99% sure positive that originally it just stood for Washington, D.C., because that's yes. where it's originally they were from and based. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, that's where Toby was from. Right. The band, from what I understand, went to Liberty University and then immediately moved to Nashville because they got signed while they were still at Liberty. Yeah. Yeah. But this album, by the way, spent 34 weeks on the Billboard CCM chart. So this this kind of, I mean, it really blew up the band. Yeah, I, I will tell you one other thing I found, Clifton, in an older Washington Post article about the band just before we go on, is their first album was DC Talk. It came out in 1989. It sold 100,000 copies in that first year, which is a lot wow. That's for still a, a lot, yeah. Christian artist way more than most of the stuff we covered and the new thing which came out in 1990 sold over 500,000 new thing (laughs) you know he's doing it yeah anyway obviously clifton and i you know who's doing it (laughs) but 500,000 and so Mm -hmm. i I say that just so as when we jump into this in a minute at least i thought going back to it you can really hear like the money behind this album like it's very clear they knew yeah. they had kind of a really big act on their hands and they definitely put a lot of money into this and and from what i've read they also teamed up with i mean there's a lot of producers kind of thrown at them right like to write songs and and produce songs and all that so yeah yeah the yeah. the list of engineers on this there's like 15 people or something um <laughs> seriously i was like what um, yeah. Also recorded at like eight different places. Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't notice that. It was, it's kind of okay. nuts. One other thing 
I wanted to say about it just before we jump in, because it helps with my memory of when I remember kind of encountering this, is according to what I found online, this came out on November 18th, 1992. So okay. very end of 92 is when this comes out. That makes sense. So Clifton, you got any memories from this when you first heard it? Anything like that? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm too old to, like, remember exactly, like, you know, 1992, but I'm pretty sure, like I said, it was ubiquitous at youth group at the time. But I think, as you pointed out, you know, it's very important to understand that probably unlike 80% of the kids in youth group who were happy to just listen to it in youth group, I bought a CD, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> as as did you, probably. And probably, like, most of our listeners here, because music is important to us. So, I think that... uh that that's a big step from like casually listening to it in youth group to owning the CD, listening to it at home, probably reading through the lyrics, that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. I think I originally had this on tape actually. Wow. And I remember, here's the thing more than almost any, this is sad in a way more than any other album <laughs> we've covered. I kind of remember this because really? a f- friend of my dad somehow mentioned that he saw the new album at the Christian bookstore and I was like what it's already out (laughs) and so somehow I talked my parents or they went and got I don't know somehow I obtained the tape and this is right before Thanksgiving and I remember listening to it in the car on the way to my grandparents at Thanksgiving which is like a four-hour drive it's not like across town oh wow um and so and just you know I was already obsessed with DC talk and new thing and this was just like (laughs) oh my God, it's so much better in every way, or so I thought at the time. And so, yeah, I was hooked from the beginning. I definitely remember listening to it in the car, with like, so I, like, forcing my parents to listen to it, you know, like, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, really, really, uh, you know, the things we do to our parents, right? It's it's not fair to them. (sighs) True. I'm glad I don't have kids. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of listening to it, any songs you remembered before, you know, you went into it or any that once you started listening to it, like, oh, my God, I remember all of this. I remember all of it. I mean, like, even before I listened to it again, I remember most of it. You know, I mean, like I said, it was just a. It was a huge part of my life, you know, like, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have like, I mean, as I listened to it, I even remembered like the stupid, like, you know, like. Uh, uh, this is, this is Greer, like that thing, you know, like mm-hmm. it had a lot of stupid stuff between the songs that I kind of forgot about till I went back and listened to it this time. Um, I'm a, pretty it similar. It was a very popular thing on hip hop albums in the late eighties and early nineties to do these sketches. Remember? Yeah. yeah. I'm similar to you. I think I remembered almost all of it, which kind of surprised me because I definitely have not listened to this since no. then. Um, no. But like when a new song would start, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. It would slowly yeah. come back. There were details I didn't remember, you know, like some of like the, the song starting off with like, you know, take this mug for a ride. You know, that right. thing. But... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't remember all that, but definitely most of it stood yeah. out. So for, for good or bad, and I'm going to argue bad when we get into this, <laughs> a lot of it's baked into my brain. So. Yeah. What'd you expect before going back into this? You know, honestly, I expected it to hit me more like re-listening to Audio Adrenaline or Newsboys, which we've already done, right? For it to be, you know, super cheesy and super youth groupy and all that, you know? And 
And it is those things, but it was also a lot more than what, I mean, it was just, I guess I wasn't expecting how furious, like literally angry, mad, like just upset at every song (laughs) about how judgmental and close-minded this is and not just because i'm not a believer anymore like even if you're a believer this album is very like if you aren't the exact kind of believer as we are you know you're doing it wrong or even even like if you're not a believer yet well you're a little piece of trash you know like it's this is this is not a a, you know, the gospel means good news, right? This is not a good news album. This is a mean album. <laughs> yeah, I kind of echo what you're saying. I, same thing. I kind of expected Audio Adrenaline, Newsboy, Stephen Curtis Chapman, that stuff we've already covered. Something yeah. like that. And I, I remember I put this on when I was driving the car to start off, which is normally not what I do, but it's just mm-hmm. what happened. And I just remember driving and lyrically and almost every song being like what yeah me too i was also driving i couldn't write anything down and i was just getting mad more and more mad (laughs) yeah yeah me too and i I just was kind of shocked and and to be honest i'm gonna go ahead and say it like you know newsboys as much as i kind of rag on you and probably still will oh my god your lyrics yeah you know we i know we have steve taylor to thank for that but whoo (laughs) a lot better than this yes and so yeah, I I was really surprised at just how much kind of I don't know how to say it, garbage was in this to- toxicity maybe. There there you go. That's a better way to put it. And and honestly, yeah. how much so much of the stuff that in some ways I'm still in therapy and trying to kind of yes. work out came from this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that's yeah, like so many toxic ideas that I've spent decades of my life struggling with and going to therapy to unlearn. They're just, this is that out. This is like, they're all here. I don't know how they're all here. Like they're just, but it's just, this is just a tiny little, little, little CD full of hate and toxicity and, and judgmental bullshit. And yeah. Okay. And I realize people are probably listening right now and being like, okay, come on. I remember that album <laughs> being too extreme. And and maybe yeah. in some ways we are, but I think we're going to surprise you when we go through and pick out certain things in almost every song. Every song. Um, there's yeah. a lot in here that, you know, probably when you were 12 and just singing along, you weren't really thinking about. Right. Um, yeah. So. And we'll get into that a little bit. And, and so, uh, by the way, I was ta- chatting with one of our listeners while we were preparing for this episode, he said, I'll just, I'll just read it here. He said, I have a lot of thoughts about some of the tracks on that album, especially that kind of girl. And when I say thoughts, I mean, angry feelings. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Me too. <laughs> yeah. And this isn't like, this is someone who's, you know, st- still a Christian and, 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 you know, still a follower of Jesus and all that, you know, and he, he has a lot of things to say about this album. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, before we jump in while it's on my mind, I want to give a a quick shout out to the Prophetic Imagination Station podcast. They are covering Jesus Freak now for their whole new season. And strangely, 
we had actually decided to do this right before we found out they were doing that and we it's i think it meshes kind of well it does but they're doing a really good job and i would just advise you if you can't get enough of dc talk or maybe you're just (laughs) trying to unpack stuff that you grew up with like us um check it out because they're doing a good job with it and so yeah yeah. And they also go into his relation, the DC Talk relationship with Billy Graham and uh, just the the piece of shit that Billy Graham is. I think probably a lot of <laughs> listeners are there, but he was not a good person, people. Like, he's. Uh, okay, let's move and on. It, and I think they also, <laughs> just to say one more thing that, that helped me and it helped me in thinking about this, they also kind of hammered down a little bit on. DC Talk being formed at Liberty University, which was Jerry yeah. Falwell's university. And I think I kind of breezed past that sometimes because I thought, well, you know, everybody went to a Christian school, whatever. But honestly, a lot of Jerry Falwell is in this. And, and it, this is the man who, like, invented the culture wars. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of culture war stuff in here. Yeah. That we didn't notice at the time because we were, like, living and breathing it. But it's, yeah, it's in here. Yeah. I agree. Okay. So we jump into it? Let's do it. All right, Clifton. Song number one, Love is a Verb. Love, L-U-V is a verb. Which, by the way, if you are going to spell love that way, the first thing that they do in this song is look up the word love in a big black book, and you're going to have a hard time looking up love if you spell it wrong. Just going to say that. All right. (laughs) All right. So this, as I mentioned, this song starts out with a weird clip of something saying, I think it's a Looney Tunes thing saying, Take this mug for a ride. I don't know why, but it does. <laughs> Overall, it's an energetic song, you know, that never stays still. And I, I'm—I don't want to say it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's well done because it's—it's it's really, even though it's energetic, it's kind of a mess, right? It just—it lacks musical purpose or focus, and it also spends a a. a, a a non-trivial amount of time promoting the band, you know, with like down with the DC talk down with the DC, right. Doing that kind of stuff, which is actually the first words of the, of the actual song. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you heard. The word love. Love is a verb. I'm I'm gonna I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm gonna play devil's advocate just slightly okay. for this because I do think it is a good way to start this album off. It's like kind of starts with a bang. Oh yeah, and like it is, it, and it like I said, it's energetic. Yeah, yeah, and and they kind of have a little bit of swagger, which you know, for this style of music, it's not. <laughs> com- it works. I mean, yeah, I agree with you on a lot of it, but I do think it's a good. It's definitely the best song to start the album off with. Agreed. But so, it's also a mess. Sure. Most like, of the song there's just, is. Well, <laughs> yes. But this one specifically just has way too many things going on. Like, there's too many samples going on. There's too many different competing background vocals going on. It's just, it's all over the place, right? It's, and it, and it does come off as energetic, but it's also like, I can't imagine the headache we gave our parents. Like, just with it's so anyways okay (laughs) i'm just saying i can remember going from new thing which i did not i meant to listen to before this i have not but in my mind it's not as dynamic as this song and i can just sure remember 12 year old jay putting this on and being oh my god like 
just this is the first thing you hear off this album. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of and again it, it to me it sounds like oh wow there's even more they spent a lot on this and it's like kind of it felt like it was taking them to the next level. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Um. So maybe the best part of the song and the worst part of the song are kind of right next to each other in the second verse. Um, the worst part of the song is the forced rhyme thinking of a way to explain O, which they rhyme with because you know when I'm flowing like a bottle of Drano. Um, and it's it's a little it it hurts me a little bit. Um, but then I think the the maybe the best part of the song, which is also still not that great, is kind of the the rest of that verse goes into like this minimized lo fi kind of like there's you know everything kind of fades into the back a little bit and the and the vocals are more up front anyways and i agree musically like sound you know, to my ears, I think that is the best part of this song. Yeah, I agree. So the song is is like four minutes and fifteen seconds, but really at like the three minute mark, nothing new happens after that again. And this is gonna be a, a theme that all their songs are almost two minutes too long, honestly. Fair. I did want to talk about if you had any specific memories of this song from a from being a kid, because I this is like I know our youth group. Wednesday night, like our Wednesday evening meetings, you know, would often kick off with this song being played really loud, you know, and it was just like everyone was excited and singing along and really emphasized, yeah, love is a verb. Yeah, I don't remember as much specifically, but I remember at the time thinking this song was very profound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the idea of love being something you do versus just some, you know, idea or something. And so. Right. That's my main memory with it being like, oh, yeah, love is a verb. <laughs> All right. And speaking of love is a verb, let's let's dive into the lyrics. You want to? Yes. Should we read the lyrics first or because we got to talk about these things somehow? I mean, I don't know if you need to read them all because there's quite a few. Okay. I'm going to read the non chorusy parts because the chorusy parts are mostly just repetitive. Okay. Okay. I can't wait. Here we go. All right. Pulling out my big black book. Black book. Because need... <laughs> when I need a word to find, that's where I look. So I moved to the L's real quick, fast, in a hurry. Threw on my specs, thought my vision was blurry. <laughs> I looked again, but to my dismay, it was black and white with no room for gray. You see a big V stood beyond my word. And yo, that's when it hit me, that love is a verb. I will read this first course here. Words come easy, but don't mean much. When the words they're saying we can't put trust in, we're talking about love in a different light. And if we all learned to love, it would be just right. Hey, tell me, haven't you heard? Love is a verb, blah, 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 blah. Moving on to the next verse. Thinking of a way to explain O. Because you know when I'm flowing like a bottle of Drano. Simple and plain L-O-V-E ain't all that junk that you see on TV. And then I'll, I'll do this other part slower because they do go pretty fast in the song. Put soaps on a rope because they ain't worth coping with. It, it's a myth that there ain't no hope. And love is enough if it's unconditionally given now you're living out the Great Commission. Third verse. 
Back in the day, there was a man who stepped out of heaven and he walked the land. He delivered to the people an internal choice with a heart full of love and the truth in his voice, gave up his life so that we may live. How much more love could the Son of God give? Here is the example that we ought to be matching because love is a word that requires an action. I mean, I think the gist of the song is right. Love is just not some, you know, little thing you say between romantic partners. It's a greater, bigger thing. It's an action. And Jesus paid the ultimate action by dying on the cross for us. Right. So the the central thesis here is, I mean, what they say is love is a verb, right? Right. But what do you, what do you think that means? Like, for oh, first off, okay. They actually don't say until the final new lyric of the song, love is a word that requires some action. Okay. And you know, verbs are action words, right? We all learned that in elementary school, right? Mm-hmm. Except they aren't. We also learned that verbs are state of being verbs, literally non-action verbs, like she is tired or garlic smells good. Those aren't things that you're act- actively doing. And this gets to a root of a lot of bad thinking revolving around language, that by its nature, language is descriptive, not prescriptive, right? Language is a tool that we use to communicate. Language is not some universal constant. It's not gravity, right? It's just an imperfect tool that we as humans created. And love is an absurdly hard concept to grasp, much less describe with our limited imperfect words. And as laughable as as it is for me to need to say this, just because you looked up the word love in a in a dictionary, and it gave you a part of speech assigned to it, it doesn't mean that you've discovered a neglected truth about the concept of of the word love. Right. And I don't know about you, Jay, but I've actually encountered some special pleading in my life. People who will claim, well, God gave us language, and He chose to give us the word love. And therefore, it has to have an inherent meaning. Have you ever heard that? No, uh, but that sounds like some stuff I would have heard. So, <laughs> yeah. And this goes back pretty far. This probably goes back to like university days, right? Hearing this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, but it's, that's just special pleading, right? I mean, obviously, humans created language. That's why we have a bajillion of them, right? I mean, and if God, listen, if God created language and he gave us, English, it's a disaster. Like, it is the most bastardized, crazy, clunky language with too many words that mean the same thing, and none of its grammar rules are consistent, you know? So, let's move beyond that. Now, to get pedantic, this song is a lie, Jay. Why, Clifton? If you look up the word love, it does have a, a, a verb meaning. But more importantly, it has 16, like if you look up at Merriam-Webster, which I did, it has 16 noun definitions, seven definitions for love as a transitive verb, and one definition for love as an intransitive verb. And that's probably the one that we think of the most often, which is basically just having an affection for somebody. Right. But far more are are, are noun um, definitions, you know? So... I don't know. It's a little bit simplified, but I'll give you. I agree. 
that that the the main thesis of the song is it's 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 a you know and it's maybe even a good lesson for 13 year olds right that love isn't you know it is it is a serious word right as they say that's one of their lyrics here love is a serious word it's in the it's in the course serious word (laughs) yeah (laughs) so i agree that's that's i think that's actually a good lesson that that love isn't just like this some fuzzy feeling that you get when the person you have a crush on smiles at you, right? Right. But if you were listening to this song, what would you think that love is? Hmm. I mean, it's that that's kind of my issue when I was going through it is to me, it sounds like the only thing that love is, is Jesus dying for us. Like, Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds pretty narrow definition, right? Um, right. Something much stronger than that feeling you have, which, by the way, I think is legitimately okay to call that love, at yeah. least sometimes, you know? And so, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. So, I pulled out all the references to love in this song so we could figure out what they think they think it is, okay? Mm-hmm. I've already been through the first one. Love is a serious word. Granted. I'll give you that, okay? Next one, love is a verb. We already talked about that. Yep. Next one, L-O-V-E ain't all that junk that you see on TV. Okay. <sighs> I don't know what TV you're talking about. Like, if we go back to the 90s, you know, like the early 90s, like, are they talking about soap operas? Like, I don't know what they're talking about, right? Yeah. I don't know. Family Matters, maybe. I don't know. Was that on then? I'm not sure. I don't know. But I would say that most representations on TV of love are actually good representations. Right? They're families. They're 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 couples who love each other and are dedicated to each other. Like like how much TV back then was just like uh, maybe like it okay, moonlighting maybe? Maybe that's a bad example of love. But in the end, I think those two did get together and stay together, right? I don't I mean okay. <laughs> well yeah, I mean it's a good point and I hadn't thought about it till you mentioned it, but like what's like a bad version of love that's on TV? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, some really fucked up, like, torture stuff or something, but, like, that's not on <laughs> TV. You know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to think of yeah. what would actually be not okay, and I can't think of anything yeah. that you would see on regular network TV in 1992. Yeah. Was that love connection, was that on TV back then? Mm, I don't know. Or people, like, went on a date, you know? But even then, all those stupid, like, love TV shows, like, reality show type things, you know? They're mm-hmm. always stupid, you know? Right. All right, let's move on. Okay. The next one. If we all learned to love, it would be just right. Hmm. First, I think we need to agree on a definition of love, which we have not come across in this song yet. Okay, next one. Love is enough if it's unconditionally. If it's unconditionally given, right? Right. Yes. He doesn't say what, that's just the end of the line, but yes, I think so. But even then, is God's love unconditionally given? <laughs> it's a great question to ask DC Talk because it doesn't seem very clear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you definitely have to accept God's love to get God's love, right? According to them, you do. Yeah, so it's not unconditionally given. Okay, next. Love is a word that requires some action. I think we'd both agree with that, right? Sure. But we don't have a definition yet. Next one. With a heart full of love and truth in his voice, 
this is talking about Jesus, obviously, with a heart full of love and truth in his voice, gave up his life so that we may live, how much more love could the Son of God give? Okay. So uh, this is where I get into some atheistic rants, I guess. <laughs> did God really, like, did Jesus really give up his life? You know, because for us humans, to give up our life is to, like, literally make the ultimate sacrifice. Like, we have no proof of anything beyond this. But if Jesus is God and he gave up his life, like, what, it was a minor inconvenience, like a three-day delay? Like, what, what does that mean? You right. know? And then the next question is, how much more love, love uh, could the Son of God give? And I, my thought is, like, a lot. Like, like, ceasing to exist is fucking scary. Taking a three-day break? I do that all the time. Like, that's easy. I just disappear for three days sometimes. Like, like that's, that's just what, like, a, a human thing, right? Like, anyways. But, to really, I, I really want to think about this. How much more love could the Son of God give? Really, like, living a full life where you don't get killed at 33 without the special knowledge and cheat codes and whatnot, and maybe throw in there, you know, like a chemical imbalance that makes every moment of your life, like a little taste of torture. That shit's hard. You fucking motherfucker asshole with a fiction of a fictional being. Like that's how much more love you could give. Try that. Hmm. Okay. I don't know. Can I, can I talk about a couple other things I noticed in the song that I think are yes. themes like throughout this album? Yes, definitely. So he said, let me find it again in the, I guess in the pre-chorus, right? He says, words come easy, but don't mean much when the words they're saying you can't put trust in. So my question Mm -hmm. was, who is the they? Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to venture out there that this is kind of like the world or society because DC talk comes back to this on a lot of other songs. Mm-hmm. on the album and there's a lot of us versus them mm-hmm. in this world in this um in this album and so you know i also kind of want to go back to that line you said all that junk that you see on tv mm-hmm. um so i don't know to me i was having trouble with this because i feel like if you follow it to its logical conclusion it is not good right it's like saying okay when i see people say i love you on tv that's not real this song is telling me that only love from god is real Right. So Mm -hmm. if I think about that, so when I feel love for another person, that's not real. Only God's love is. Mm -hmm. So the love that I'll never feel, God's love is real. And the love that I will feel, human love, isn't. Mm -hmm. Oh, got it. And that's how you get fucked up and can't trust your feelings and get so disconnected (laughs) from them that you have no idea. Yeah. Right. That, That very same thought sent me down another rabbit hole. Which is that, like, why do we even need this song, right? That, that, that's actually a great question for a lot of these songs. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I think it's actually very important for this song. You know, I think we've, we've both agreed that love does either require actions or will, like, create actions within. Like, those actions will come out of love, right? So... We're taught that God loves us, and we're supposed to love him. Loving a person, or even a sport or a TV show, is infinitely easier than loving God. That's why Christians are always finding themselves straying from the path, even when they go to church like several times a week to remind themselves that they're supposed to love God. Because, and I hate to be blunt here, like, that person exists. 
in yeah. their life. Right. 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 Or the sport exists in their life. Right. And we have this song specifically because Christians need to be reminded to love God and to live or act in a certain way because of that love. Because once again, God isn't there. God isn't around to love. God isn't around to feel love from or to have those actions. You know, God isn't acting in your life in a way that you can actually see, unless, of course, you convince yourself that random happenstances around you is God getting involved. So we do things like write this song to remind us to act as if we love an absent God. Mm, right. Or we sing worship songs at church um, right. telling this God that we love him. Yes. Worship songs. I'm going to say specifically designed and specifically written to elicit emotion and love is an emotion. Mm, good point. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know if I should talk about it now or later, but you're they, they, them, you know, us versus the world type thing, right? Because this got me thinking a lot about stuff. Well, there's but one song we'll that um, we're definitely yeah. going to get to that. It's yeah. chock full of yeah, it. Yeah, okay. We'll do it there. Okay. <laughs> Should we go on to number two? Well, there's a video for this song. Oh, okay. I have not watched this. It's not, I mean, it's just, it's mostly just live footage, honestly, of them like on stage. And it's actually from this tour, probably towards the end of this tour, because um, like for the video for another song, Michael has his hair, like, what, what was that? Like the tall flat top thing, you know. Yeah, that I can't popular. remember what that's called. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, but in the in the videos for this song, this this in the in the shots for this video, he has his hair in dreads, kind of like he does for for Jesus Freak. Okay. So yeah, that's all it is. Though it's just live footage. Okay. So I'm not missing much. No. No. Okay. <laughs> song number two. <laughs> Yes. It's called That Kind of Girl. And listeners, for some reason, if you don't remember this or have never heard it, but you've listened to some of our other episodes, you can probably guess what this is about <laughs> because it seems to be kind of a common theme. And I'll just let Clifton tell you more about it. Yeah. So other than opening with, once again, a very weird thing goes, Toby. I don't know why, but it does. <laughs> There's way fewer samples in this song, and so it's like way less of a mess. Uh, it's calmer, and for that, in my book, honestly, it's better written. It's uh, it's pretty funky in a way uh, that's going to be familiar to people who like listen to to uh, Boys to Men as a kid or something like that. You know, maybe a little Mariah Carey, but you know that kind of hip hop R and B thing, but more rap to it. Obviously, it has a pretty weird bridge in it that I want to play real fast. Cause it just like, I'm going to play the part before the bridge. And then this part, cause it just like, it goes off book. It's just, it's just weird. Around just like okay, where this Some guitars there. I know this one is perfect for me. It's 
basically just a part for for Kevin to sing something because you know him and Michael don't do much. Michael does a lot of the background vocals, and Kevin does the like the really like kind of vocals. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Also, this song is way too long. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did what was your personal experience with this song? Like, was it played in youth group? Probably. I don't really remember. <laughs> I definitely remember listening to it. And I think this is really problematic in some ways too, because this was definitely the age of like, you're becoming a man, Jay. And mm-hmm. you know, time to time to understand how your body works and puberty and all this stuff. And you know, someone had that talk with you. Wow. Uh, yeah, I think so. And it was like, this is the kind of way you need to be thinking about ladies and setting yourself mm-hmm. up and blah, 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 blah. And I would, well, I'll argue that I think this stuff is actually really harmful, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, we'll get into that a little more. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't remember if this song was specifically played in youth group, but I do remember listening to it a lot, obviously. <laughs> and I, I remember it being very important to me. And if I'm not crazy, I think that, that we as a youth group, and I think maybe just like the guys part of the youth group, got some kind of like true love weights talk that was based that was based on this song. I could see that. So yeah. Yeah. It fits with all that. Yeah. Which means sadly we need to get into the lyrics and talk about this song. Yeah, I mean you're not missing much with the music. I say we just go straight to the lyrics. <laughs> all right. Once again, I guess I'm gonna read these lyrics. Um man, there's so many of them. Okay, you ready? Can't wait. Let me loosen up a little bit. Okay. The other night I met a girl and she looked at me so nice. Nice. I asked her for the digits and she didn't think twice. Twice. A couple of days later, I called her up, asked her out. She said with you, I said with me, and she said without a doubt. I took her to the garden where I guess they grow the olives. She wore a tighter skirt than any I had seen in college. What? She said, <laughs> she said I love to smoke and drink while cursing like a sailor. I asked her where she got her mouth and if she had a tailor. Finally, I walked her to the door to say goodnight. She said, I am an apple. Would you care to take a bite? Politely, I refused and said, I'm looking for a lady. But she slapped me in my face and said, boy, you must be crazy. Different from the ones before. She's that kind of girl because I know she loves the Lord. She's that kind of girl. Virtuous in every way. The kind of girl that makes you say... I hope she comes my way. Should we stop and talk about the first first now, or do you want to keep Yeah, going we absolutely can, because it's just, well, no. Let's, no. I want to break this down into subject matter. Okay, let's talk about the first, because my first subject matter is just what we've done so far, actually. Okay, yeah, I feel like there's so, quite a bit there. Yeah, it is. And my first subject matter is, the first theme of this song is slut-shaming, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. Um, I think we can live, leave out everything before I took her to the garden where I guess they grow the olives, which. So clever. So clever. Right. <laughs> and like, like fancy date, like really top, like mid twenties. Like these guys are in their mid twenties. I do now, feel like in 92, stuff, you know? Olive Garden was kind of fancy, you know? I mean, yeah. come on. You were 12 years old. You don't get a exactly. vote in this. Right. But it seemed <laughs> fancy to me. I mean, we didn't go there very often. Me, yeah, true. We we didn't either. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, let's let's go through this a little bit, and then we can stop and do some commentary. 
she wore a tighter skirt than any I had seen in college. Who the fuck cares what she wears, you sexist, weak piece of shit? <laughs> it's your job not to lust, right? So get a fucking grip on yourself instead of shaming women for wearing the clothes that they want to wear. Clifton, men are physical, and so women need to dress very modestly around them so that they don't arouse them and cause them to do bad things. Bullshit! <laughs> Go back to Genesis. After Adam and Eve sinned, they put on clothes because they were ashamed, not because God told them to hide their bodies. And Jesus specifically said, if your eye causes you to sin, you should plug it out. You know what he didn't say? You should suppress someone else because you're a piece of shit who can't stop sinning. Well, I mean, to be fair to Toby, he did go to Liberty University, so he probably had seen <laughs> no tight skirts. Um, so. Yeah, he probably also never learned anything from the Bible or anything from the New Testament of the Bible. Right. <laughs> so he'd probably never heard that Jesus thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's all just... Old Testament culture wars. Yeah. And can I just say, I'm getting really tired of every time we talk about some wayward person, especially sexually, it's almost always a woman in all these albums we listen to. Yep. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. All right. You want to keep, keep on going here? The next line is, she said, I love to smoke and drink while cursing like a sailor. I asked her where she got her mouth and if she had a tailor. So let me, if I get this right, she literally said, and it's in quotes here. She said, I love to smoke and drink. Which what I'm hearing there is she is being super honest with you about who she is, right? She is just coming right out there and being like, I like to smoke and drink and I cuss. How is this being up front? Like, this is honest. This is who she is. But you're here in a fucking song, you know, making offhand remarks about judgmental remarks about her. Like, oh, she wears, she wears a tight skirt. And, and I asked her where she got her mouth. Where did you get the audacity, sir? Also, there's no empathy in this whatsoever, None. right? It's all None. just judgment on what she's saying, how she's acting, what she's wearing. Yes. All right. Now, I really do like the part, this, this, this last part here. She's, she said, I am an apple. Would you care to take a bite? Politely, I refused and said, I'm looking for a lady. So she slapped me in my face and said, boy, you must be crazy. Good. You <laughs> judgmental prick. Maybe next time you'll learn some fucking respect because you did not refuse politely. You said, I'm looking for a lady, which is full of judgment, you asshole. Let me give you a hint here. You literally could have said, that's not the kind of relationship I'm looking for. See? How hard was that? I just respectfully communicated with someone without taking a dig at who they are. Choke on a cock, you egomaniacal, toxic asshole. And, and here's almost, well, here's, I don't know if it's a deeper problem, but here's the problem for people like us who are in our really formative years when we're listening to mm -hmm. this. Yes. We're basically being taught that this is the way to think 
of women and and yes. and who to look for. And so instead of like uh, in this scenario, instead of appreciating this woman for being honest, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just looking for women who don't smoke and don't drink and don't curse and don't wear mm-hmm. tight skirts. Like that's basically all that that's told me mm-hmm. is I'm looking for these external things. Right. So let's get to the number. My next point is the the next the next uh, theme that I take from this is pedestaling women slash knight in shining armor for men. Okay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which gets us to the chorus. The chorus different from the ones before. Cause I know she loves the Lord. She's that kind of girl, virtuous in every way. The kind of girl that makes you say, "I hope she comes my way." So to build on what you were just saying. The first verse tells us in all the ways she's not virtuous, right? So let's list those. She smokes, she drinks, she cusses, she has sex. Which is incredibly shallow, right? What if she's predatory or greedy or abusive? Right. It always, it always just bugs the fuck out of me back in my church days that Christians are so concerned with very visible things that they consider to be vices, but really don't hurt anybody, but maybe the person that's doing them, but they're more than happy to ignore negative characteristics that actually hurt other people and abuse other people. They are more concerned with you smoking or you drinking than the fucking priest raping children. Because you know what? It's not just priests. That was fucking happening in Baptist churches too. And your assemblies of gods and all the other churches too. Everyone's fucking hiding that. They're more concerned with the drinking and the smoking than they are with rape. And you know why? Because the church teaches that all sexual sins are the same. So, hey, rape or unmarried sex, they're kind of the same. Oh, well, we'll just turn our... Yeah. Yeah. No. And a lot of times the pastor is the one um, showcasing so many of those bad qualities, right? From the Which is why it shows predatory, greedy, and abusive. Yeah. Because yeah. that describes my pastor when I was growing up. Yeah, and he, uh, listen, I'm not just saying this because we're bad, but Clifton's was a real asshole. Um, <laughs> like a special <laughs> level of asshole. We could spend a whole episode talking about him, but let's not. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, so it's, it made me, I think I've said this quote before, and I'm going to butcher it, but it's, it's like this quote that really when I heard it was, pretty revelatory for me from i think it's from tony campolo and he said something like you know today five thousand kids died of hunger in africa and you don't give a shit Mm -hmm. and he said moreover the fact that you're more upset about me saying shit than you are about the kids dying really speaks to like the core of the problem um Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like that right it's all surface stuff rather than actually important things exactly Which brings us to the other side of this coin, which is pedestaling women. He says he's looking for the kind of girl who is virtuous in every way. Like, who's going to live up to that? That's a pretty fucking high standard. And it's, and it's not just this song. Everything we were taught about women in youth group pedestaled women. Mm-hmm. It treated them... It treated them as if they, like, it, it, it made demands of them that they never agreed to. It made demands of them that they act in, in, in predetermined ways that don't acknowledge who they are as people or even that they are people. At its core, this pedestal of women like this is dehumanizing of women and is toxic and traumatic to their upbringing. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, it just, it, 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 as I said, it, it, it just refuses to see them as women and just says, oh, women are virtuous in every way, or they should be. Therefore, anyways, yeah. Are we going to talk about Proverbs 31? <laughs> okay, go for it. I mean, you know, verse 2, he talks about a Proverbs 31 girl, and if you don't know Proverbs 31... I'll just read you just a tiny bit. I don't want to read it all. Um, But this is from the New King James. This is Proverbs 31, and it really starts with verse 10. And it says, Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her. She will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ship. She brings food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a potion for her maidservants. Uh, blah, 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 blah. So she works her ass off for her husband, mm-hmm. and that makes her holy and great and wonderful. Yep. But I remember talking a lot. They would talk about it a lot in church. Proverbs 31, girl. Mm-hmm. That's what you got to be, ladies. Proverbs 31. A servant. You're nothing more than a servant. Mm-hmm. You need to look good and do things for your husband. Yep. And be submissive to your submissive. husband. He is the head of the household. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so they do a really bad job of, of summarizing that, by the way, because they follow that up by saying, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. A woman who fears the Lord, she ain't playing. Hear what I'm saying, because I'm saying it clearly. She's the kind of girl that I, that I got to have near me. So they, they just leave it at that, right? Which to me, I mean, we can get into the whole Proverbs, actual Proverbs 31 thing, you know, but to me, they're kind of just saying, hey, I'm looking for a woman who shares communal values with me. Yeah. That's not interesting. <laughs> I guess. Like, it's... It's just saying I'm looking for someone that has a diff- has has a similar background to me and believes similar things that I do. Which, when you get to it, that's life. really kind of the truth of it, right? Um, yeah. All right. Let me read the other important lyrics for the song before we move on here. Well, I'm looking into hooking with a lady, and not a girly of the worldly that's shady, but the kind of girl you meet behind the doors of a church. You see, God will bring her to me so I don't have to search. Too hard I've been scarred by the ones of the past, so put an APB on the one that will last. A little longer than a roll in the hay for sure, but a bona fide lady's what I'm praying for. Now it goes into the chorus again. Yeah, here's here's the last part. Okay. Heaven help me, hear my plea. I know there's one who's perfect for me. When I finally meet her, I'll know how to treat her by fulfilling all her needs. Love her and respect her. Cherish her forever. She's like, she's the kind of girl for me. Oh, God. Yeah. So, I imagine that you have a lot to say on this, on this but I, it, the Christian romanticism, or the one, really annoys the shit out of me. It's also <laughs> another really harmful belief. It is. And you know, I guess if you start with the idea that God is all powerful and then he has a plan for your life, you could make a logical argument that says, you know, that God has created a one to be your spouse. But is it, is that actually in the Bible? 
I, I think that idea has roots in romanticism, not in biblical Christianity. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Which is linked to God will bring her to me. And to me, this is maybe the most nefarious idea in this song. You know, it largely, I think it largely gets annoyed because, you know, most people, you know, date in high school and get married fairly young, at least in the world that we came from, right? Right. But there's plenty of people who don't. And for those people who don't do that, this God will bring her or him to me is 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 really toxic once again. So what 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 do you say then to the person who, you know, is in their 30s and hasn't found the one? Are you saying that God didn't make one for you? I know you super duper want it, but too bad, I guess. Right. You know. Also it 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 keeps them I feel like one real danger in this idea, he says, God will bring me to her so I don't have to search. So it actually keeps them from doing anything to make this happen, right? right? You're not dating, you're not anything because, oh, dating's bad and I only believe in courtship or whatever, and (laughs) God will bring her to me. Uh, Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And then if you start to mix in the fact that there's people who are attracted to other people that the church says that they're not allowed to be attracted to. What do you do with that? Is God clearly not person to you? No, it's not God Clifton. Can't be. Oh shit. (laughs) Because, uh, that would be a girly of the worldly that's shady. Oh yeah. Again, remember we have to fear the outside world. This is DC talk. So Mm -hmm. that outside world is a scary place. It is super scary. Even though I want to point out, That he says, let me read the lyrics here exactly. Um, So put out an APB on the one that will last a little longer than a roll in the hay. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I didn't catch that when I was younger, I don't think. Me either. And that seems like someone talking from experience, right? Mm Mm-hmm. What if he's the problem? (laughs) I know that's not allowed. We're not allowed to think about that, but what if he's the problem? You know, just want to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyways, then there's a whole nother side to this God will bring her to me thing, right? Which is the fucking entitlement it gives to a lot of people, especially yep. young men. And, you know, I, I think I experienced some of this entitlement, but what I've really heard is because, because, Mormonism really pushes pushes this a lot harder, I think. That you end up with like guys who feel like they're entitled to a, a wife or even entitled to a certain person, right? And so they end up becoming manipulative and and controlling and abusive because of this, right? And mm-hmm. and anyways, it, it but it creates a sense of entitlement that is easily turned into a a a uh, something that's dangerous for women and for relationships. I think a hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. <sighs> I just wanted to talk about the very last part you mentioned. After that, when I finally meet her, I'll know how to treat her by fulfilling all her needs. Um, mm-hmm. If we're going to talk about that, because I want to. 
Yeah, let's do it. Because that's that's the other part of my uh, point number two, which is knight in shining armor. Yeah, like, well, first of all, when I finally meet her, I'll know how to treat her. No, you won't. Trust me. No. I'm married. You won't. <laughs> You'll think you do sometimes, but no, you won't. Like, right. this stuff's hard, and it you have to put yeah. in effort, and it's not easy, and it's like... No, that's bullshit. And once again, this gets back to the, to the, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? To the entitlement, right? I don't know how to treat her, right? Because I learned it in youth group. <laughs> but then when it doesn't work, you're going to blame her. Mm. You're not going to blame yourself. You're going to blame her for not work. Oh, she must not be a godly woman because I'm doing the things I'm supposed to do and she's not responding to it. Right, right. Um, the other thing I'll say is by fulfilling all her needs, that is not possible. You should not. Right. Like, oh my God, like you do not, <laughs> people, partners do not fulfill each other's needs. Like it's just right. not humanly possible. I'm sure. Yeah. There's some like need for companionship, need mm-hmm. for comfort. Like certain times. Yes, absolutely. But all their needs. No, not humanly possible. And this is just such a fucked up view of what marriage is. Cause it can never live up to like this level of expectations. Mm-hmm. I agree. I was, uh, as I mentioned, I was talking to one of our listeners about this. And he mentioned this song specifically. So I want to read the rest of what he had to say about this song. Oh, good. Yeah. All right. He said, imagine how some young unchurched girl invited to a youth group or a concert and hearing that song would feel. She'd feel like trash and unworthy to the quote unquote right boys or even to that community if she wasn't a virgin or had had an abortion or even secretly enjoyed the idea of sex. And the kicker is, the song makes it more about how she wouldn't be acceptable to DC talk and by proxy the people singing along with this song when the only fucking point should be that Christ made her acceptable to God. They prioritize themselves before the gospel. Mm, that's such a good point. Mm-hmm. But, and, he, and he continues here. And now as a parent of an adolescent boy or of adolescent boys and trying to teach them how to be good, honorable people as they enter dating age. Uh, where they will face all sorts of confusions. I like that, all sorts of confusions. (laughs) I think back to the garbage that was fed to us and watching again the rise of the Theobro complementarian culture promulgated by assholes like Mark Driscoll. The ease with which this masculine first poison propagates. Now, just all around, and now all around, now this just all around enrages me. It's one thing to not have the tools to critically access stupid songs. It's talking about when when you were a kid, like in our formative years, we didn't have the tools to, uh, to, to assess these. Um, he, I, he, he, you don't really have the tools to assess all the, all the things that shape you in your formative years until after the fact, and you're trying to unravel all the damage. Yep. And I think we've maybe scratched the surface of this song because it's just, we're not experts on this subject, and there's, there's a lot, a lot of poison. Yeah, I, I, I do. I mean, we've talked about purity culture and we've talked about a lot of this and I just, yeah. the more I unpack it personally, not just a song, but all these things, like I realize how much damage was done mm. with some of yeah. these ideas. Like it's not, it's not healthy. It's not good. And yeah, I know this album sold at least 500,000 copies. So there's a lot of people mm-hmm. that, uh, you know. I got fucked up yeah. by this. And the thing is, you know, I know people out there who listen to this kind of stuff and they're like, oh, I never realized those were the lyrics, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Me too. 
hey guys, I hope you're fine. Hope you're super duper fine. Right, right. But then there's those of us who obsessed over the lyrics. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I heard them, but didn't, you know, obviously knew them, but were, I, I don't know. I didn't think it, you know, affected me. And now I'm older yeah. and going like, oh, shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. All right. Uh, track three is not really a song. It's called Greer. Let me read. It's just a, it's one of these skits, right? Mm-hmm. It just goes, um, Joe, Joey, this is, um, this is Greer. Uh, hey, l- let me tell you something. I just heard the new Free at Last record by DC Talk. Hey, guess what, man? I think they sampled some stuff. Don't say anything. I heard they took some stuff from my old records that I think they picked. They, they may get in trouble. Bye. Which I guess is a really lame way of telling us that the next song is going to be a cover song. Even though that's not what the word sampled means, right? The word right. sampled means to use some, like, to pick, like, to take out a small part of a song and use it, right? Although, am I the only person who thought when he said sampled stuff, it might refer to drugs? Anyways. Okay. Uh, yeah, that, you might be the only one. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> didn't. Not as a kid, but, like, today. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the next song. Yeah, so four is Jesus is just all right. Um, no, it's not. It's not? Because DC Talk changed the name of the song. Oh, you're right. To Jesus is all right. So, from Wikipedia, this is, this is a song called Jesus is Just All Right. Um, it's a gospel song written by Art Raymond and first recorded by, or sorry, Art Reynolds, and first recorded by his group, the Art Reynolds Singers, which was just a group of... Uh, some singers from a choir in his church <laughs> on their 1966 album, telling it like it is. Um, the original was really onto something because it was less than two minutes long. There we go. Yeah. In 1969, the birds covered it, speeding it up significantly and adding some instrumentation because you know, the original one was only two minutes long. And then the Doobie brothers covered it, but they covered the birds version more specifically in 1972. I have a little quote here from uh, one of the Doobie Brothers uh, that I think is interesting. He says, uh, the funny thing about that, we weren't anti-religious. We weren't anything. We were just musicians out playing a gig. We didn't think about that kind of stuff very often. We would be out playing the song when that came out as a single. And all these one-wayers. That's his term, by the way, one-wayers. Which, if you go back to the name of this uh, original DC Talk, was DC Talk and the One-Way Crew. One-wayers refer to religious people who believe there's only one way to get to heaven. Yeah. Anyways. Um, and all these one-wayers, which was a big movement at that time, would be at the show, and they would run up to the stage with their fingers pointed straight up. At first, we didn't get it, and we finally said, oh, I know what's going on. So when we, when we would play that song, they would go nuts. They would throw scriptures on the stage, that sort of thing. <laughs> Little did they know, they were trying to enlist the support of the wrong guys. <laughs> interesting yeah but originally this was a like a gospel hymn basically right um but then dc talk covered this song 1992 obviously but they like i said they removed the word just from the title because i guess saying jesus is just all right is uh not good enough for them and they also changed the word just in the lyrics to still so jesus is still all right overall you know i thought it was a pretty good funky hip-hoppy cover it it has some kind of rock and guitars that kind of 
you know, go back to the Doobie Brothers thing. There's actually obviously a lot of extra rap in it that's not in the original version because the original version only has like 20 words in it. There's this breakdown that is pretty interesting. I feel like this is like, this could be like early 2000s electronic song, like the Avalanches or Junior Senior kind of like. Yeah. That's all right. That's all. You want to talk about the lyrics here? I mean, this one was one of the more um, less offensive songs, probably because it's yeah. partly a cover. Yes. I, I found one thing that kind of bothered me. In the second verse, uh, I'll, I'm not going to read all of it, but I've says, he says towards the end of it, I'm kicking it Jesus style to the ones that think they heard. I did use the J word because I ain't too soft to say it, even if DJs don't play it. Like somehow mm-hmm. a DJ is afraid of playing the word Jesus. And, it, and again, mm-hmm. it's this mm-hmm. idea of the world as this like outside place that's against you as a Christian. Um, even though... <laughs> Even though the irony is, it's a cover of a song called Jesus is Still Alright that was obviously played on the radio, yeah. so DJs have no problem playing the word Jesus. I Yeah, it was a right. huge hit. Yeah. Huge. And, I mean, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. but again, in almost every song, you can see traces of that, like, you know, us against them, outsider world is coming mm-hmm. to get us type thing. And the reason I bring it up is because we're going to get to a song in a minute that's like drills down into that. Um, so, yeah. And it's, it's always in this way that's not quite true, right. you know, <laughs> which reminds me of Alex. It reminds me of Alex Jones a little bit in that it's like, let me tell you a little bit about the outside world. Don't go look it up. Don't worry. I'm the, I, I'll make it safe for you to, for you, for me to tell you about the outside world. They hate us. I want to kill us. Don't go look it up, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's another part that, that bothered me a little bit, which is in the last verse, where they say, I ain't in this business for the dough. And I want to disagree with them. <laughs> yeah, Clifton, how do you know? Because Come on. Look at this. Like, why would they, like, they put out. They put out books after the next album that are about martyrs just because they could. Like, I don't like there's nothing about anything DC talk. that's not clearly for making money. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, according to the Internet, I just looked it up. Um, Toby Mac himself is worth $10 million. You know, I have no idea how much DC talk is worth, but probably far more. Yeah. Yeah. And not to say, like, you know, you make a lot of money. Oh, by the way, I just saw this this album as of '96 had sold 1.2 million copies. So they're clearly making a lot of money. Maybe they didn't mean to do that, but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But they're you know they're they're putting out all kinds of other yeah trinkets and shit that goes along with it. So you have to think <laughs> probably they do. Yeah. So there is a video for this song. And I can't figure out if the video thinks that it's in a rap video or if it's in a YouTube video. They're in the they're in the desert. It's all shot in sepia tone. Um, the three guys are rapping in front of three crosses. <laughs> and um, yeah. And there's also shots of a band, but the band only has like a guitarist and a and a. A guitarist, there may have been a bassist, but I think it was just a guitarist and a drummer. 
And then there's also backup dancers. There's a lot of shots of this one backup dancer doing a backflip. Toby is wearing a, um, a hat of some sort, but like. Oh, I remember he had it like turned around backwards because I wanted one of those so badly. And I thought that was so cool. Oh, shoot. I do remember this video now, Clifton. I'm watching it as you're talking. Oh, God. Yeah. And and Kevin has like super long hair and Michael has the uh, flat top thing going on. And he's wearing like a wife beater really showing off. It actually starts off like on a muscle shot of him. (laughs) Um, And that's pretty much it. Like there's just shots of them in the desert doing this stuff. Yeah. Huh. Man, Clifton, I thought they were so Mm -hmm. cool back in the day. That's like the epitome of cool. (laughs) All right. So the next song, track five, is Say the Words. My opinion, this is the worst song on the first half of this album. Uh, I think it wants to be Boys to Men, but it is not Boys to Men. Yeah, it, it's especially when you think about like the first song, mm-hmm. or even the cover. They just had quite a different sound with this. Oh yeah, yeah, way more like R&B, right? right? But not even good R&B. Let's just play a little bit. And pretentious. Come on, guys, just start the song. You gotta see, you gotta see. super boring so jay the 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 thesis of this song seems to be basically that if we just say i love you more everything will be okay did it yes you're right can i can i ask a question because it's been bothering me ever since i (laughs) even first listened to it didn't they just a few songs back talk about how the word love (laughs) is a verb Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And spent all this time <laughs> talking about how when you think about love, you should be thinking about what Jesus did, and that was true love. Mm-hmm. And then this whole song is about be sure you tell people I love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And let me let me read some <laughs> lyrics here for you. Some just assume we already know of the love that they feel. Some have a heartfelt emotion, but never the words. Heartfelt to emotion. <gasps> <laughs> yeah there's one specific line if hate can be erased with such a simple phrase why are we stalling just say the words say the words say i love you you know i was just checking it's but the same songwriters toby mckeon and mark heimerman yeah. as love is a verb so just just making sure you know it wasn't a different writer mm-hmm yeah they do get into a little bit of a to hold to hold up that first song though they do say the word love, while it was once overused, back in the 70s, the word was abused. 
But I refuse to let love be diluted. We can't allow physical lust to intrude it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. What the fuck do they mean by back in the 70s the word was abused? I don't know. I mean, maybe they're talking about hippies, you know? I don't, but like, what did hippies... Like free like, love? I guess there Is was that that thing? Free love, you know? But like, like, look, I think we can all agree that the Bible's view on sex is that God created it as a way to express physically, or, you know, one of the ways to express, right? Physically, love. Sure. Right? And if the hippies truly loved everyone, why can't they have sex with everyone? I mean... Come on. Yeah. I mean, I mean this is the whole concept of, like, you know, today, like, sex positive, right? I mean, as long as there's, like, yeah, yeah. consent, um, you know. <clears throat> yes. So... Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Also, that was in the 60s. Right. So that's that's my thing. And again, I'm hammering on this because this is like the thing <laughs> I took the most from this album is, again, like, we know the correct way. People outside in the world, they've corrupted this mm -hmm. stuff. Um, yeah. Be on the lookout. That kind of thing. Yeah. So if maybe, maybe the thesis isn't that if we say the word I love you more, everything will be okay. Maybe the thesis is if Christians say I love you more, everything mm, will be okay. Right. Because they, they're the only people who understand love. I think it's really, I'm, I, I think it's really important to point out that line, we can't allow physical lust to intrude it. Because mm -hmm. that's another real like key element of like purity culture and stuff is like, oh my God, these really yes. natural feelings that you're having, especially like when you're, you know, as 12 year olds, like 13, you know, as you're at this yeah. age. That you didn't ask for. Right. Thank you. You didn't ask for them. <laughs> They're perfectly normal, natural urges and feelings. That's always viewed as bad. Um, mm -hmm. you Lust. Know, yeah. And so get your shit together, kid. Like, you shouldn't be feeling that way. Yeah. Uh, and so. Uh, Control I, those chemicals in your brain. Right. And this just hammers that home more. Yes. First off, it's just a stupid song. Can we yeah. agree that it's stupid? <laughs> it is a pretty it's stupid song stupid obviously saying i love you doesn't work the hippies tried it guys it didn't work okay which i guess then brings us to the thesis that only the like, christians have to do it but that doesn't work yeah okay but also in its stupidity it's extremely exclusive because once again as you as you said they're saying but only we understand this yeah, yeah. <sighs> Which. Okay. We're going to get to the song here that's the... The big one for this episode. The big one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe, uh, do we need to take a break here and, and uh, shake it out a little bit? Ugh. Well, we got okay. WDCT before that. Maybe that could be our break. Let's have some fun with WDCT. Let me, let me I'll perform it, okay? Okay, good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> WDCT Talk Radio with the sounds that shake them bones because we're bringing you the funk, the whole funk, and nothing but the funk. DC Talk style. Oh, yeah. Day and night, night and day. And it's me, the E, flipping the wax. So kick back, relax with all you, the, with all you little funkadelics because the train's in the house kicking the mad styles for you. So, yeah, next up, that little ditty off that funky, funky, funky little album, Free at Last. It's about time. <laughs> 
Word, you know what I'm saying? Been telling me it's coming out for two years. Been waiting on this record, man. It's been about time you be flipping instead of flaking. Brother be flipping. Oh, shit. <laughs> Bravo. Thank you. You know what my big, my big takeaway from this song is? From this uh, sketch is? What? It's, it's WDCT talk radio, but they're talking about the music they're about to play. Yeah, I, you know, don't question it. <laughs> All right. Was that enough fun? Can we get into the next one? Yeah, now? we're going to need to spend some time on this. And I have a feeling, Clifton, this is probably where we're going to end today, just at the rate we're going, but we'll see. <laughs> it is. We, we're already pushing, pushing some time here. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us. All right. Number seven, socially accept. Double. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's all, all right. right. <laughs> okay, good job. <laughs> all right. The problem with this song, <laughs> there's only is one. That it's a bit of a bop. <laughs> like, not in a good way. It's like this is kind of an earworm. Yeah, right? I, I'll be honest because <laughs> I was listening to this one probably more than the others because I found it the most <laughs> offensive. But I was also like, oh yes. god, damn it, it's in my head. yes yeah yeah and once again honestly at about the three minute mark they're they're done with the song but Mm -hmm. it continues on like it it, and and like the end of this song is literally a 30 second fade out you know if reba mcintyre wants to fade out the last five seconds of her song that's fine a 30 second fade out that's a long time (sighs) all right now, yeah. the bad part about this song is that it's basically Make America Great Again. Yeah. With just as vague a, vague a time given about when things were better. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I was hoping I'd see Jerry Falwell wrote this, but he's not listed in the credits. <laughs> but I think there's a lot of him in this. Yeah, yeah. What do you remember of this song as a kid? Do you remember it? Be, was it played in youth group? I remember I remember it from the album just because I listened to this so much, but I don't think yeah. the lyrics struck me as they do now, probably because I was so yeah. in that world living and breathing it that I was just kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I This song was definitely played. It was not played as much as like a feature as Love as a Verb was, but I remember this song being played in youth group. Huh, okay. Yeah. All right, should we read the lyrics here? I mean, yeah, and we can stop if you want to talk about certain parts, however you want to structure it, but I do think most of these need to be read because there's a lot of problems in here. Yes, okay. Okay. Here we go. I'm going to skip the stupid parts, which are just like, it's okay, it's all right. Yeah, here we go. DCT is in the house, boy. It's okay, it's all right. Okay. What you thinking, doing the things you do? Whose opinion are you listening to? Justifying, you turn it all to gray. Synchronizing to society's ways. Society has gotten to be all out of whack. And don't bother with excuses whether white or black. To blame it on a color won't get a result because history reveals to me how ethics were lost. In reality, our decency has taken a plunge and God we trust is an American pun. Funny how it happens so suddenly. Hey yo fellas, kick the melody. 
socially acceptable. It's okay. It's all right. Okay, okay, we got it, Clinton. <laughs> all right. Do you want to talk so far and talk about what we've, what we've gotten? I mean, so I think so. Yeah, why not? Like, um. <sighs> You know, in the first verse, he says, justify and you turn it all to gray. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there is no, there's either right or wrong. There is no kind right. of gray area. Um, yes. And then the second Which verse. Which used to be something that, no, my parents as Christian parents used to, used to lecture me on being too black and white. I think, oh, that's interesting. They, I, they did, yeah. Huh. So, that's interesting, right? Yeah. yeah and, and so, but I'm curious, following that theme, in the second verse, what you just read, he says, um, society's got to be all black. Don't bother with excuses, whether white or black. To blame it on mm-hmm. a color won't get a result. Is he referring mm-hmm. to race there, or is he referring to like things aren't clear? I don't know. Um, why would he say? Why would he say? Don't blame it. To blame on a color won't get result. I don't know. It's. <laughs> I can't imagine that they're not talking about skin color here, right? right. I, I, I maybe like okay. Let's go back to 1992 in your head, okay? Mm-hmm. If you'll remember from our unreleased episode, only to patrons, um, of of uh, of um, the Insiders' first album. Oh man, we're going way back. Yeah, yeah. You remember that I brought some statistics to that to that uh, episode? You did about crime. So back in the early 90s, people were really freaked out about rising crime rates and not unjustifiably. Okay, crime was rising. What happened next, though, is that in the early to mid 90s, it it started tapering off a lot. But people were really freaked out about rising crime rates in a lot of ways. So maybe this is saying like, you can't blame crime on the whites or the blacks because just blaming it on people won't get a result. That's my really like nice way of, of interpreting this. When was Rodney King in the LA riots? Early nineties. It may have been after this. I feel like it was 91, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. I'm trying to look to my computers. Kind of. Nope. 92. So it was actually April. So technically, it could have even been when they were like writing this. Writing and recording this album. Yeah. Um, I think you're probably right. Race makes more sense there. Um, and isn't that like such a typical thing of this way of thinking of like, yeah, you you don't, yeah, no, don't blame it on race. We're all the same. That's not a good excuse. Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. 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 And really, this is gonna get. I don't know when to bring this topic up. There's almost nothing you can say to these people, right? Because as you said, like, well, let's not talk about race. I mean, like everyone's, everyone commits crime. So let's not, let's not talk about race. You know, it's like, well, if we can't talk about race, we can't talk about causes, right? Because really what you're trying to do is avoid talking about causes by not talking about race. It's the same thing with like, oh, I'm colorblind. I don't see black and white. Well, then you're not, if you're colorblind, then you're not seeing the world, right? And you're only doing that because you don't want to talk about the reasons things happen. Right. I mean, it's a reason I can't, I'm just going to allow me to rant one more second. It's, it's 
the reason I can't stand the all lives and have to say black lives matter. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, it's so like, yes. Oh, it clearly not true. And just, yeah. Keeps you from actually tackling and thinking about the real problem. Right. Like black lives matter is basically, Hey guys, can black lives also matter? Can you care when the police kill us also? Right. You know, that's what Black Lives Matter is. And then the response is like, I'm afraid now you, you left me out of that because I'm the center of the fucking world. Right. Okay. Sorry. So the line, the, the next line is because history, history reveals to me how ethics were lost. Mm-hmm. And this, this line reminds me almost of like David Barton rewriting American history to be, you know, more cohesively evangelical Christianity, even though there's no such thing as evangelical Christianity back then. And, you know, like America's always been fairly religious, but those religions were widely divergent. Like they didn't, the early colonists didn't agree on anything. In fact, most cities had their own kind of like take on Christianity because they were founded by one set of people. Right. You know, and, and there's this idea that there's just like this common, you know, moral fiber that runs through all of America. And it was only in the seventies that we really lost it, you know, which is not what happened, you know, um, like, like, like in God, we trust, which is mentioned here in the, in two lines later in God, we trust is, is an American pun In God, we trust wasn't anything until the 1950s when when billy graham started pushing this and people and people in his circle it wasn't on american money until the late 50s and it was really because of the red scare the 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 fear of communist and communists were kind of defined in american image as atheist and so they had to like go go hard with the american image the other way which was you know christians you know and and so like it there's just like this false his American history that's wrapped up in evangelicalism that where people think, you know, like, Oh, you know, we had a, we had a common moral or ethical belief as a country. Not true. Not true. Yeah. And it's when you're thinking back to how like things used to be better in America, like better for whom, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Michael is in the band. He's black. I think he would probably, agree that it probably well who knows but it probably wasn't a lot better um yeah if you're black back you know even in the 50s especially before or that even in the 90s compared to today hopefully yeah you know? yeah true um, i mean i don't know maybe and then the next line is funny how it happened so suddenly <laughs> it didn't guys it didn't happen suddenly right. you know there's just I, the 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 america that is the common image of america these days that people you know think back to the past and think like that was a good old times is usually like the 1950s and that was only because the united states was very economically successful which is really because we were the only country like only developed country that wasn't bombed off the map basically so so the united states basically had a monopoly on the on the world economy so we had a lot of money coming in um, we actually had education, so we had more educated people than ever before in the past. We had public education. And and even then, it was only good, basically, for white men, <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, the, the civil rights movement hadn't happened yet. Like, 
black people, colored people of any kind couldn't sit at the front of a bus. They couldn't drink out of the same water fountain. They weren't allowed to eat in certain places, you know? <laughs> Uh, this was not a good time for most people. Women, women couldn't own bank accounts. Women, women were basically property that was passed from their fathers to their husbands. You know, it, th this was not good times, people. Like it may have been good for white men, and and, and this is not a new argument. And you're not hearing it for the first time here, but it just it just wasn't good times for everyone. It was only good times if you were if you looked like the Leave It to Beaver family, <laughs> you know. And even then, if you're the mom, not great. Right. But don't you think, do you remember growing up with this sense of like, oh man, morals have just, it's not like it used to be, like yes. moral relativism, blah, 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 you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, honestly, I think there's a lot of racism wrapped up in mm -hmm. that, you know? There's a lot of like, a lot of that I think comes down to, oh man, have you heard that black people are allowed to do things now? Right. You know? And the people who make those arguments, argue against that but then if you look hard at what they're doing it's it's just racism <laughs> you know but yeah it's it's always been there i think it's it's always gonna be there it's always it's always been there everyone go back and read like 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 um what uh shit, name just escaped me you know go go back and read roman philosophers they were pissed off that that morals were going down the tube too you know two thousand years ago <laughs> you know Everyone has felt like the generation after them isn't doing as good as they did. Yeah, true. You know? True, true, true. Yeah. So, or, or doing things the doing things the right way anymore. You know, back in my day, you know that kind of stuff. So, and basically, we give old white guys a pulpit to 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 preach back in my day bullshit. That's what like largely evangelical churches, especially in the '90s, just became that. They were just bully pulpits for back in my day sermons, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next verse. Times are changing with morals in decay. Once again, human rights have made the wrongs. Okay. I fucking hate that line so much. <sighs> Something's missing. And if you're asking me, I think that something is the G.O.D. To label wrong or right by the people's sight is like going to a loser to ask advice. You know, because the meek will inherit the earth, right? Inherit the earth, right? <laughs> by basing your plans on another man's way of life is creating a brand of ethics sure to be missing the punch. I don't get that one. No count morals that are out, of, out to lunch. They're sliding away because everything is okay. It was taboo back then, but today you say, what the hey? Yeah. So let's, let's review this. Times are changing with morals and decay. Human rights have made the wrongs okay. What do you think they're talking about there, Jay? Just based on my recollection of being alive and being in mm -hmm. the church, um, there seemed to be this real pushback against like, I guess what they viewed as liberal causes and like human rights and standing up mm -hmm. for all that stuff. And um, I have a real problem with people saying basically like human rights are wrong. Yes. You know, human rights have made the wrongs okay. Like if you're focused on human rights, you're, you're making the wrong things right. Like what the fuck? Human rights, like it's always good to focus on human rights. 
it's human yeah. rights it's important like what the hell what do you think what what do you think they what what do you do you remember what causes were being argued for in, in with the human rights perspective back then uh i don't did you look it up i didn't but just from my memory two things okay the first one being abortion you know because of it's course. a it's a human right to have self-determination over your own body and the other one is homosexuality because you know it's a human right to have self-determination over your own body. Right. Which is basically just saying you don't get to make choices about other people. Your rights stop when they intrude on someone else's rights. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You as a person don't get to make a choice for another human's body. Especially when that doesn't have anything to do with you. Sometimes human, sometimes these rights come into conflict, and that's where we have to have arguments about things, you know? But if two consenting adults want to have gay sex with each other, what does that have to do with you? It's wrong, Clifton. Okay, what does it have to do with you? Well, someone needs to tell them that it's wrong, and that person is me. But what does it have to do with you? I'm offended by it. But what? Okay. <laughs> Good. Good job. Being offended is easy. All right. No, I know. It has nothing to do with me, but uh, God is um, mad, and so I need to let them know. Is God mad? Of course. You know, I, I, I went back. One of the things this song made me do is go back and read the Sermon on the Mount. And and basically, this song is the opposite of the Sermon yeah, on the Mount. Yeah. <laughs> the Sermon on the Mount is basically like, if someone wants something from you, do even more for them. Right. This song is like, I don't like how people are acting. They should act how I want them to act. Yep. <laughs> you know? Christians, where did you get this fucking bullshit? Where did you get the idea that you get to control other people when your own savior said, if someone wants something from you, do even more for them. They didn't say, if someone wants from something from you, tell them how they should live their life. Guys. Anyways. Yep. Okay. I think that's... No, there's, there's a last little bridge here. We got to go back to the principles we found in the Word. Back to the Word, right? Like, like, original, like America was founded on the Word, right? Mm-hmm. All of society was founded on the word. A little G-O-D could be society's cure. From the state that we're in, because again we're slipping, so pray for America because time is ticking. Yeah, I mean, this myth of a Christian nation, we could just get mm-hmm. back to that. <sighs> so, Jay, other than a little bit of digging that we did here, what sins are referenced? Like, what is what's the wrong? What's the what is what is socially acceptable these days, according to this song, that this shouldn't be? Mm. He talks about ethics, morals. It's not exactly mm-hmm. clear. Yeah, my favorite, absolute favorite part about this song is that this holier than thou judgmental song is too cowardice 
to call out a single sin. Mm-hmm. Right. So that anybody listening to it can say, yeah, I'm in the right. It's not actually going to claim anything. It wants to it wants to be better than everyone else, but it's not going to take a stand for anything. Mm, great point. Yeah. Yeah. So, here's the topic that I haven't that I've been reluctant to bring up over and over again. And it really goes back to something you've been saying, Jay, which is this us versus them Christians versus the world thing, right? Right. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm going to try to phrase this the best I can. <laughs> if your thought as a Christian is the world is evil, you can't trust the world, right? The world is trying to deceive me. The devil wants me to sin. The devil's in charge of the world, okay? And someone comes up to you and says, hey, can you stop doing X? which is literally killing me. And you don't know that person. And maybe that person isn't a Christian, right? Right. Well, damn, they're just trying to confuse you, Jay. You can't trust them. Mm, you're right. You can't listen to them. You can't even take their experience into account. They because worldly. they are worldly. the world. Yep. Yeah. And so Christians have excluded themselves from being able to relate with empathy to anyone who isn't exactly like they are. So they can't take criticism from anyone who isn't exactly like they are. And so if they are oppressing someone, they're not going to hear that. They can't hear that. Right. Because that's just the devil trying to confuse them. Mm -hmm. Totally. So because of this, Christians have created an environment where there's no common language that we can discuss anything. We can't use empathy. We can't use sympathy. We can't point at truths. We can't point at what's going on. Because in the end, Christians are the only people that they can trust. Yeah, so true. And this, again, learning it in your formative years, 12, mm -hmm. 13, not good. Anyways, I guess we should stop there for this time and uh, pick up the rest of the album on the next episode. Yeah, and I, I just will say, if you've made it this far, first of all, give yourself a pat on the back. <laughs> <laughs> but secondly, if, if you are wondering and you're like, maybe they're overblowing, you're like, maybe it's too much, just go back and listen to Socially Acceptable on yeah. Free at Last. Like, and we haven't even, listen, we got some more songs for you next week. Yeah. Um, like, trust us. Pretty much every song on this album, some like this worse than others, but yeah, uh, have some fucked up stuff in it that, again, and and it's weird. Like socially acceptable was the when I was re-listening to it, it was the first song that really like it pissed me off. Mm -hmm. when I was listening to it, you know. But there's some more. <laughs> there are. <laughs> but it's funny because then when I started to go through it with a with a with like in detail, there's nothing. It doesn't say anything. You right. know, like it doesn't take a stand on anything. And so it's, it's almost hard to critique because what you're critiquing is a more ephemeral, they don't make a point. So there, there's a more ephemeral thing that's going on here. So it's harder to critique. Right. right. And it's just, I don't know. It's, it's the, the, the last, the other half of the album gets, gets worse in many ways. 
Um, but yeah. Do you have an award for, uh, Ooh, for the first uh, half of this album? Yeah. Oh man. I have an award. Well, give us, give us the award Clifton. All right. My award is this is the most pissed off. I've been reviewing an album for this podcast so far. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. I'm wondering if we'll top it because I feel the same way. Um, (laughs) it's been funny because there's been some albums that just musically, I'm like, Oh, I hate listening to this. And I'll be honest, this one, it's fine. Musically, it's not as bad. It's just no. lyrically, I was like, oh, yeah. shit. Like, yeah. 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 Musically, it's, it's inoffensive. Like, it's, it's right. not really that cheesy. You know, it's just, it's just fine. Yeah. Inoffensive. All right, Jay. Um, so we'll be back next time doing part two, the second half of this album of Free at Last. We will. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Your Music Saved Us. If you enjoyed your time with us, please leave us a review or share this episode. Visit patreon.com slash YMSU to contribute and get extended episodes. Visit our website, yourmusicsavedus.com to find out all the ways to listen. We're on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Join our Facebook group or follow us to keep up with the latest or interact with us and send complaints and disagreements to yourmusicsavedus at gmail.com. The music in this episode is the work of DC Talk and is used with Go Fuck Yourself. (laughs) Bye, everybody. (laughs) Bye. (laughs)